Here we are, huh? Hmm. I don't know about you, but um, it it feels like something is different. Uh, if 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 okay, if we if we called the if we called the journey of following Jesus a path, like it's like something about the path has changed. I, I don't know if you would agree with that or not. But this isn't what the message is about. But it's just something's changed. In 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 my experience, I guess I'm hearing, I'm hearing, the same in some of the podcasts I'm listening to, or some of the people who are talking. It's like something's something's different. Something's like, I don't know, like maybe like, I don't know, exactly how I would characterize the difference, but. You know, there is, uh, well, I guess I'd say, I guess I would say I feel like for me personally, there's an increase in what wants to distract or detract from the path. Maybe put it in, maybe put it in those terms. And I feel like that's not like a moment. I feel like that's not like, I feel like that's not going anywhere. And so I feel like I'd want to say like to people that I care about, like, if we're waiting for the pursuit of Jesus to come easier, I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that that's going to happen. And so I would just want to say like, you know, because I think sometimes I, you know, I, I, I'm a um, fairly emotional individual. And so I can go through seasons where I feel like, oh, life's just a bit hard. I just need to hold on and get through, you know, and it's like, this will change and it'll get easier. And And sometimes, you know, it's like, that's the case, but I feel like from like a spiritual perspective and like a following Jesus on the path perspective, I feel like don't wait for it just to happen. Cause I feel like, I feel like that's the, I feel like that's the danger of the season that we find in is waiting for a day that's maybe not coming. And I feel like the opposite is true. It's like, you know, for those who want the path of Jesus, this is the day to give it our best. I feel like there's something about that that's important for me. I feel like it's what God's asking of me. But anyway, I uh, I want to return to the verse that we talked about last week. So if you didn't catch it or you weren't here, whatever the case might be, we're talking about Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. So I'll read it again. I'll do like a 30 second summary of last week and then we'll kick into this week. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. This, this is, Jesus is just, been talking to the disciples about the fact that he's going to go into Jerusalem, he's going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders, and he's going to take the cross and die and rise again after three days. It's, he's beginning to reveal this. And Peter turns to him and says, uh, but Jesus, but Jesus turned and, oh, sorry, he, Peter has said to him, you know, may God forbid that these things would happen. Takes him away privately, has a little quiet chat to him and says, Jesus, mm-mm, this is not happening. Okay, and this is Jesus' response to Peter. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. And we talked a fair bit last week about this idea of the stumbling that we can create in perpetuating the things of man or man's view or uh, you know, where we can become a stumbling block to each other. In, in the process of that, or where we can trip up a faith-filled journey 
because the, the perspective of man uh, is opposed to the things of God. That's the, the flesh opposes the things of the spirit. That's a biblical principle. And so, you know, we in our well-meaning support of our own life or our own spouse or our friends or our community, you know, we can have good wisdom. You know, it's like, don't waste your money by giving it all away or, you know, whatever the case might be. You know, it's like, hey, if we're going to, if we're going to offer something, let's offer the things of God to one another. Let's offer those things into our family. Let's fix our mind on the things of God. And I, I, found, I found it so reasonable that Peter would have the perspective that he did and so unreasonable that Jesus would have been so extreme in his response to it. Do you know what I mean? But I think he just saw where this was coming from. And, but this morning, I want to talk a bit more about this idea of setting our mind on the things of God. You know, like, how, how do we do that? What does that look like? How does that play out? What, 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 what accomplishes that? Is it possible? Like, I think, I think we've, like, paired this journey of following Jesus down to something, um, something that sounds like, may, maybe, maybe for people that have kicked around the faith for a while, it sounds something like, you know, uh, uh, give some money to your church, show up on a Sunday, and be a good person. You know, what'd you say? Like, that seems like fair enough, doesn't it? Like you would like honor and respect a person who did that. Wouldn't you, you'd be like, oh yeah, they're a good Christian. Do you think? If you think about it, like what constitutes like a good Christian? Oh, well, what do we, because that's, we're Christians, right? Are we Christians? Are we Christians? Are we scared to use that term? I think a little bit. You know, somebody came up to me in the market and we're like, we were at the market, in the Rosebud Market, representing Golden Valleys. And she comes up and she goes, are you a Christian camp? And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> anyway, she happened to be a Christian. She was investigating whether we were faith-based or not because she was thinking about sending her kid here. And she was more comfortable if we were Christians. So anyway, but it's like that, that word. It's like, okay, well, well, do we expect of a Christian to have their mind set on God? Do we? Do we expect it of ourselves? Or is that like for the super Spiros who are going to like, you know, lead the army? Well, it's not an army, but, you know, it is an army, but it isn't in the violent sense. It's an army of love. <laughs> hey, we're going to get weird here, okay? I've been listening to the salty songs and there's a few of them in there. There's a few of them in there that throw you back to the the old school pictures. But anyways, okay. What does it look like to have your mind set on the things of God? What examples have we seen of this? Or what does a life set on God look like? Let's, let's throw some things around. Let's be practical. Let's be, let's be grounded. Don't give me, I don't want Sunday school answers that aren't a part of our living. You know, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want something you know is the right answer. Like, push past that in your thinking. Push past that and go, what in my life is accomplishing a mindset on God? Or what have I seen in the life of another? And I go, I think that's helping. Come on, hit me with some. No right answers, just real answers. Service? Like doing something for others? Yeah. 
Yeah. Indeed. Focusing on someone other than just yourself. Yeah, sure. Can you do that without God? I think you can. I think you can. I'm not saying that's a wrong answer. I think it is a right answer. I think I think it is a right answer. But I also think that you know I can do that trying to be something. And so I think that one. Um, you know, maybe we'll find with all of them it comes down to something deeper. But I think it is a good answer. I think it is a good answer. What What else? Yeah, Lois? Yeah. Um, I just say it can go either way. Yes. Like yep. Taking time out. Taking time out, yeah. Yeah, I can check out or I can connect in. Yeah, taking time, space, quiet, stillness, the absence of busyness and activity, grounding myself in his spirit. Yeah, time, space. And Jesus exemplified that, right? He said, I'm getting away. I'm getting out. I'll come on the back of that one and say, time out in nature for me. Like, get away, get out of the city, get in the trees, breathe the fresh air, hear the birds, smell some, you know, it's like, oh, something's grounding in me. And, you know, I look at that and I go, oh, it's too circumstantial, it's too physical. And then I go, well, Jesus did it. He retreated to the wilderness constantly to go find his father, to get connected, to get grounded. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, if he did it, I'm not, I don't got to be beyond that. Yeah, definitely. So I'm with you, time out. That's a good one. Yeah. What else? Don't quote Leela. We don't do that around here. It causes me problems. <laughs> See, I told you I was right. <laughs> Carry on, Keith, sorry. Having a relationship. Where you can just sit with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm for crew on Zoom, Keith's saying like having a relationship with God, like Leela was describing, where you can just be with him, where it's, I'm not coming to learn something, I'm not coming to sort something, I'm not coming to accomplish something, actually, I'm just going to be with you and be comfortable being with you. And in the midst of that, then also a willingness to uh, action the things that he speaks to or, yeah, to follow, to move, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Knowing that if you had something going on in your life and you needed prayer, there was this person who comes mm. always be there to pray. Yeah. 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 So two things are really demonstrating love on behalf of others and praying for others. So coming to God on behalf of others, with others, in connection to others, pulling God's presence into the practical situations, circumstances, and realities that we find ourselves like going, hey, I got a friend who we need here. Let's come. Let's gather. Let's... Yeah, I like that, Kim. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what, what helps set your mind on things of God? Like what, what, what accomplishes this or what does this or what, what assists in this? 
the choice you have what you do with space. Yeah. And it feels like a give up. Like it feels like a Yeah. Like, sometimes like this is my time. Like, yeah. This is what I want to listen to or do what yeah. I want to do or process what I want to process call who I want to call you know, it's like so when you give that to him, I find you honors it. Yeah. Like, it feels special. Yes, occurs the same. You know, what you do with space, what do you do with your drive in the car, your empty moments, you know, what do you what what do you fill your uh, space with your chosen moments where nothing is demanding, where nothing is, yeah, yeah. Do you think, do you think we govern our minds? Do you think you have governance over your mind? Do you govern your thought life? Is that in your control? Are you in charge of your mind? <laughs> Not when I need to study. All right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Self-discipline, self-control. Yeah. Well, it's a fruit of the spirit, right? Self-control. Well, okay. I believe it's possible to have governance over our minds, but I think a reasonable question here is what's governing your thoughts? Because really, that's what they're speaking to. Peter, your mind's being governed by something other than God. Your mind's being governed by the things of man. You've set your mind on something other than God. And the fruit of that is in this moment, you've actually partnered with something other than God in a moment where that needs to move away from me. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying to him. So think about it for a second. What governs your thoughts? Have you ever sat down to like have time with God and 45 minutes later come out, out of Facebook and been like, oh, shoot. I actually intentionally came to have God connection time and something else evaporized. Have you ever had that? Anybody? Maybe just me? I mean, what is it to then govern our thoughts? Yeah, or, or what is the ruling force? You know, like I can find myself, uh, I can find myself needing um, like resets, you know, Okay, I've let I've let some stuff start to rule here that actually was never made to rule in my thinking, and and I need a reset. Like I feel like I got a reset this week, and came to realize that um, there there was fear that was finding its way into the story, and some of those fears were ruling and governing my thinking. And actually, when I when I idled back, you know, when I came off of an accelerator of intentionality, it was like, oh, there's something here that that's ruling. You know, it's like, well, the good news is I have authority over my thought life. Now, whether I'm practicing that or whether I'm strengthening that or whether I'm, whether I'm taking hold of that, whether I'm asking for Jesus' help in that, because you've been given authority over your own life. That's the truth. And so whatever you choose to permit and afford to rule in your life will rule. That's good news, isn't it? There's also bad news, right? 
because now I'm not waiting for something to come and accomplish itself here. Now it's, it's with me what I choose to allow to have authority over my thinking. So what rules in our thinking? You know, and I think it's a very powerful thing to invite Jesus to come and have authority over our mind. That's your choice. That's your choice. You choose to whom you allow to rule here. You, 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 right? If you've been given authority to govern over yourself, you invite Jesus to come be Lord over your thoughts. And, and, and that's not a one-off. You know, like, let's, let's invite him, you know, to come and rule over my thoughts, rule over my mind, take control in this moment. Jesus, come and take authority over this thinking, over this mind. Come, take, bring your spirit and flood my thinking with your thoughts, with your mind, with your heart. You know, what if we got up every day and started to pray a prayer like that? Would that change something? You know, do, are we ready to be people who are, you know, intentional about what we fixed our mind on. Because, you know, it's like there is a stream of thinking. We live in a world that's hammering us and we don't even realize it. You know, does, does, the, does the messaging of the world govern your thinking? Because it comes for you every day. Like, you know, you, you, you drive to work, you see billboard after billboard after billboard, you see commercial after commercial, you jump on social media, it tells you what you need. What, it's like that stuff's ruling in some way, shape, or form. I was like, well... I need to begin to reduce the amount of influence that I give to the life of man ruling in my thinking. I need to invite the authority of Jesus to come establish a way of thinking and a mindset. And this maturity forms over time, right? Positioning myself under the authority of Jesus is going to change me. It's going to change what I think about, what I care about. What I, it's not going to happen in a moment. But when we give him authority, when we give him place, he comes and he'll be moving us. You know, it's like if we begin to live believing that uh, we're not waiting for God to demonstrate himself in a circumstance or in ease, we're asking him to just come and produce in us an inner life that is governed by his spirit. And I believe if I will focus my mind on that, in three months' time, I'll be a better man than I was three months ago. And in five years, I'll be a better man than I was five years ago. But let's set our mind on that and go a, a daily He's changing me. Daily, he's ministering life to me. Daily, things are getting better because he's accomplishing something through a focus on him that's producing a life of character and strength. And yeah, that happened with Peter because we know Peter didn't get left here. But also, this was, this was behavior that, that we knew of Peter, you know, in, in, in this passage, that he struggled. He, has a, he was a passionate fellow, right? You know, like this, this story in Matthew chapter 14, two chapters before, we, we'll know it, but, you know, this is, this is Jesus in the wee hours coming to the disciples in the boat. He says, immediately he directed the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he sent the crowds away. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Laws. He got away, he got still, he got quiet, got some of the Father. And then, you know, in the middle of the night, uh, it says, when, when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was already a long distance from land, tossed and battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. You know, like, I feel like in life at the moment, the wind's a little bit against us. That's just a little bit stormy. You know, like that's, and that's not a problem. It's not something we need to get focused on. It's not like it's hard times, people. Let's, you know, say, like, no, it's just like, okay, this is a bit rocky out here. You know, it feels a little bit that way in life and kind of like over and over again. But, anyways, and in the fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. 
I mean, this is a reasonable response, right? That's a reasonable response. I mean, we, we've heard this story, but let's be practical about this. It's like, oh my goodness, it's stormy. There's someone out there. It's like, okay, this is terrifying. Yeah, and they thought, they thought this was a ghost. Uh, and they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them saying, take courage, it's I, do not be afraid. Peter replied to him, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. I mean, this is Peter, he's a passionate guy. He's like, all right, this is you, dude. You bring me out there too. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great response, you know? So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus extended his hand and caught him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I mean, let's think about this for a second. Oh, Peter, why did you let something other than your faith rule in your thinking in that moment? I think about that for a minute. It changed his reality, right? Why did doubt cause him to sink? Why was it not more powerful that he'd stepped out of the boat? Like, don't you think that... don't you think the reward of stepping out of the boat should be the successful walking on the water? Didn't he already do it? He did it. Wouldn't you think that's reasonable? Oh, God, why, why is he sinking? Well, he's, maybe he is actually governing over his own reality. Yeah, maybe the miraculous power of God is limited to what we set our minds on. Is that demonstrated in this story? Is there a principle there? Why did he sink? Was he being punished? I don't think so. Well, so what was going on? What, what, what do we gain as insight from this picture that Peter, full of faith, full of courage, steps out of the boat in the middle of a storm and says, if it's you, I can do that too. Jesus goes, oh, faith, come. Then he goes, then he saw the wind, he saw the waves, got himself overwhelmed, fear took over, and all of a sudden he started to sink because he doubted. What am I doing? I can't be here. Well, well, what, what happened? Took his eyes off Jesus. What? It got harder. Well, it got real. Mm. Yeah. Oh no, this is waves. Yeah, well, it says when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So when he got back in the boat, then everything calmed down. So he had to step out into the storm. He had to step out into the waves. Yeah. Well, he wasn't even like he's not even considering the fact that it might be hard. Yeah. He's considering the fact that it would be fine. In some ways, like there's a motivation, like like come on, let's do something awesome. Yeah, he's ready to do something. Yeah, it's like, if this is possible, if you're out there, sure, sure. Faith can overcome earthly things. But faith in what? Yeah, because we don't get to decide, right? Peter asked permission. It was on the authority of Jesus that he was invited unto the water. He didn't go, if you can do it, I can do it. Jump in. He went, he went if it's you, then command me to come. 
That's what he says. And then Jesus commanded him, come. It was on the authority of Jesus that this could occur. And then what happened? Took his eyes off Jesus. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? He doubted. Doubt began to rule in the mind of the man and the, and the things of God no longer were. And he started to sink. Well, we're waiting for our moment to step out of the boat, right? Or maybe you're in it. Or maybe up to your gills in it. Maybe you're sinking. Well, it's like, okay, what is governing my mind is, is a faith-filled mindset that trusts the truth of God ruling in my mind. It got him out of the boat. It got his feet on top of the water. But, but, but it's like, I'm, I mean, I would think if I had the faith to do that, I could be, maybe I could be in like the saints. Maybe I could be like a superhero. But it's like, but he still sank. And Jesus went, no, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It's like when the waves come, when you're getting sloppy from the place you find yourself, from the reality of the things of God. It's, it's not a moment to give up or give in. Like we need, to, we need to raise up a confidence that goes, my mind is set on a determination of faith. My eyes are fixed on the one true thing. At the key moment, I will not stumble. I will not sink. I will not fall. You know, and I, I believe this is what, at some point in time, I believe this will be the reality of our faith story. And whether it's ours or our kids or our kids, kids or our kids, 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 kids somebody's going to have to stand for this faith in a moment where most give up. I mean, that's what the scriptures say. Jesus is not going to return until many, many, many leave our faith. That's, a, that's in the Bible. Second. Thessalonians. And it's like, well, how are we going to be the ones who are standing? How are kids going to be the ones who are standing for the things of Jesus? Do you know what? Our, 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 knowing our Bible stories isn't going to be enough. We're going to need a relationship that goes, I will not take my eyes off of you. What you say is my concrete foundation. My eyes are locked on you and I will not let this story of fear rise up that causes me to doubt. I will stand in faith. And it's like, oh, let it rise up. And you know what Peter did? Because you keep reading the stories about Peter, what happened? He rose up. You hear him preach, you know, Acts, go read Acts. Like, you know, Peter, Peter's preaching in the temple. Church is getting persecuted. You know, Peter loses his life for his faith at the end of the day. Right? He's persecuted, dies for his faith. So he stood strong, something matured. You know, we don't have to be stressed out if, we're, if we relate to Peter and go, oh, well, I know what I need to, you know, if that's me, I think it, Peter's response is reasonable. You know, but it's like, okay, but I want to let grow and I want maturity to have its full work in me that I would be one who could stand for Jesus when he most needs it. It's like, yes. Let's let that grow. Let's find ourselves on Peter's trajectory. Let's receive the correction that goes, hey, you lost sight. You've let things crowd your thinking. Let's not judge it all on today or our capacity for it. Let's see an increase in capacity for faith be the measure of our, our success as Christians. What does a good Christian look like? Growing and maturing in faith on a path to following Jesus with all that we are. Let's let that characterize it that growing within me is a mind that's fixed on Jesus. 
and I am engaging the things that cause the spirit of Jesus Christ to rule in my thinking. I have authority over my mind and I have set my mind on Christ today and tomorrow and the day after and the day after. I think for too long we've, we've sold this thing as, you know, uh, um, uh, we're not serving one another by selling this as some kind of like flippant side dish to the life you're living. It isn't. It isn't. The whole of our lives matter to the plans and purposes of God. Every day you rise, something rules in your thinking. And if it isn't Christ, it's something that's deterring you. That's the truth. Uh, it's the truth for me. Yeah. And I think the, the truth of the matter is, is that there is a fear story that plays out that wants us to give up on faith. Pick up control and take control of it ourselves. Jump back in the boat rely on the resources that we have ourselves, rely on the capacity we have out of our own existence to accomplish this Christian walk or to live a good life for God, which is why, you know, Steve, I'm, I'm back pressuring, you know, we, we want to settle for a life of being a good guy in the name of Jesus. But, well, Jesus wanted something more because he, he said to Peter, why do you have so little faith? And why did you doubt? Like he says, you should have more faith in this. You know? I mean, Jesus had a high expectation of Peter. Peter was, he's copping it. You know, and then he comes around again. He gets called the stumbling block next. It's like, Peter, get your eyes on me. Get your eyes on the things of God. Fix your mind on me. And it's like, I think we need this. Yeah, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. We're not being taken advantage of. There's a reward for a life that's fixed on God. And, a, and, and the biggest reward is you're going to live in peace today. Peace is going to rule in your heart. What a promise. In a world that is storming, to various degrees, of various capacities, in various ways. It's like we can be those who are ruled by peace. Yeah. What time is it? Yeah, I think, I think for me, uh, I want to raise the bar on what I am affording to govern my mind. And I want to pick up with strength the empowerment that says I have been given, every human has been given the gift of life which is your free will to choose. And you govern the life you live. And if you are not, you've chosen what's governing it. Right? That, we may feel like we're a victim to the life we're living or the people who have more power than us or the government that has the capacity to decide or the country, but you are ruling the life you live. And picking up a healthy sense of empowerment that goes, I am living my choices. That's, that's, a, that's a person who's governing. It's like, all right, this life is mine to live. Now, what will I live for? What will I set this mind upon? Because, you know, like a decision today to go, I'm going to live my life for Jesus is a powerful statement. But the way that that's executed is by allowing the things of God to govern my mind day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. 
And if the only times that I think about the things of God are when I'm with other Christians who are bringing them up, I am not fixing my mind on the things of God. I'm being blessed and protected by those who are, but I may not be. Do do you know what I mean? If this is the only time God gets our attention or our things of our mind are turned to, what's God up to? What's he doing? What's important to him? What does he have for me? What's the reality? I mean, maybe that sounds terrible. Maybe that sounds hard. But it's like the truth of the matter is the governance of your mind comes in your personal private time in what you do with your life, and what happens in the spaces and gaps like you're talking about, Curtis. You know, it's, it's, you know, and Jesus is very clear about that. You know, if we look at Matthew chapter 6, he says, the power of the faith that he calls you to is worked out in private. It's not the public acts that determine the governance of our life. It's what occurs in my private world. Is the only time I talk to God when I'm at church? Is the only time he gets a look in? Is the only worship of my life when Curtis is playing the guitar? It's like we are invited to fix our minds on him and allow our minds to be governed by the things of God. You know, Laws, I love the story you told about this week because there's powerful moments to impart life. You know, and it's like, okay, well, the school says this is a detention and we're going to address some behavior. Now the Spirit of God goes, we're going to impart some love and you're going to listen and something wonderful is going to happen because this child needs someone to hear them and advocate for them. Well, you know, it's like, okay, well, how much of that do we miss because something else is coming? I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to get going. I got to get going. I got to just too busy. Too much happening. Too much pressure. I, I mean, I feel like if I had five cents for every time God told me to pull the pressure off, take the pressure off. It's not serving, Brad. Well, and what's pressure? Fear that I haven't got enough time, that I haven't got enough resource. That is fear. Pressure for me is all a fear-based mindset. The only time I find myself under pressure is when I've picked up fear. It's not going to be enough. I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to get it done. We're not going to have enough money. We're not going to have enough productivity. We're not going to... It's like, oh, i gotta, got to get this fear off my back. Got to get fear off my back. Got to let it stop governing my mind. I'll let peace rule. Anyways, I feel like I'm just kind of prattling on about things, but let's kick it out to discussion and go, what, what does it look like to really begin to, in a day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day basis, set our mind on the things of God? And I'm using the term governance here, you know, like the ruling authority in our mind. You know, what is it that we, how, how do we position ourselves? What, what changes do we need to make? Or what perspective is shifting for us in this idea of thinking about it in this way? Ten questions for you, Ben, just to confuse you. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to park it there. <laughs> yeah, this idea of letting the things of God govern in our mind. And, and we're characterizing that, you know, not maybe have done the best job explicitly, as a disposition of faith. A disposition of faith that says, this mind is ruled by a confidence in who my God is. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's chat about this and go, all right, mind's governed by Christ. Is it a thing? Is it a thing? Or is Brad just over-intensifying the gospel? That's a risk, people. So you pressure test it. It's like, all right, is this, is this a thing? And what advantage does it afford us? All right, let's chat.